0: You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Tagod Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker, delighted to be with you on this very special Erev Shabbos. The intensity is building. Tomorrow night is Slichus. Those final, that final run up to Yontif, the penitential prayers. People will get up in the middle of the night, and at twelve midnight, gather in shuls to recite those heartfelt supplications, those prayers of saying, "We are small; you are great," and we ask for your mercy. We light candles, please, God. By five forty-five today, Shabbos is out at six thirty-four, but we are. In such a wonderful time, as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah, and there's more intensity, there's also more power. God's power of forgiveness, of healing, is more and more revealed in the world. Just this week, we've seen miracles. Let's tap into all of that so that we too can benefit from Hamelach Basadeh, the king is in the field. If we just turn to him, God is available. All he wants from us is a small anila doidi, a small recognition that he can ask him. He will. Baruch Hashem, we have the tools, we have the guidance, and to remember that each and every situation, Hashem has put. The cure before God forbid sending the challenge. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High Fm I'm Mashi Lipsker. And it's the Shabbos before the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. And we read a parsha that inspires and informs. As the parshas that have been filling the month of Elul, and even the parshas from after Tisha B'Av, all of which are times of consolation, encouragement, upliftment, hope things can be better. And the parsha this week is called Kisavoy, or Tovoy, Kitavo, when you will come, or tavo, come. And the Parsha begins with the words, and it will be, says Moshe to the people, when you will come to the land that Hashem gives you as an inheritance. And then what should you do? You shall inherit it. You shall take possession of it. After which, plant and then Designate first fruits of the seven kinds to take to the holy temple. And it's a fascinating thing. Why would the Parsha begin with the words, when you will come to the land, when the truth is that the passages continue by saying, you will take from the first fruit of the land, you will go to the place that Hashem will choose, to dwell his, his indwelling, his name there. That's going to take a long time. When they first came into the land, there were seven years of conquering the land, seven more years of dividing up the land amongst the tribes. Only then could you hope to plant and reap harvests, but it would still take hundreds of years till the Holy Temple would be built. So why not start with a different type of introduction? It immediately says when you come to the land as if we can immediately do this. But it's not so. We actually have to wait quite a while. So that's one important question. And before we come to the answer, let's talk about what Hasidic teaching tells us about these words, Eretz, when you will come El HaOretz, to the land. And Hasidic teaching explains Eretz refers to this world, the earth, the land, physical, practical living. Our neshama, our soul, comes from the highest of heights, And as our sages say, it's like Like from an incredibly, incredibly high edifice down to a low, low place. Like from a mountain down to a valley. To do what? To actually animate a body. To dress itself in a physical body and in materialistic pursuits we have two souls that work all the time within us the godly soul that yearns for holiness for goodness for godliness and then we have an animalistic soul that yearns for temporal pleasures it yearns for indulgence it's never enough And interestingly, that seems to be the obvious drive of the human being. I am hungry. I am thirsty. I am tired. I am cold. I am hot. I, 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 and that's just on a basic physical level. I feel this. I feel that. I want this. I want that. But the word I indicates that it's very subjective. But when we look at God's eye, the Oneichi, I am the Lord your God, we actually are able to unleash, reveal what the soul wants. And the soul is the permanent part. And the soul is the one that saw and continues to see godliness. Why does God take this lofty soul and put it down? To be trapped, as it were, in a prison. A physical body that doesn't yearn for godliness, and so the pasuk continues, karta me'reshis kol priha There's a reason; it's to take the best of adama, of eretz, to take the best that exists in this physical world. Our interactions, our relationships, are the way we do business, the way we eat, the way we dress. Everything about normal, as it were, living must not stop, but to take the best, the altruistic, the godly in each and every one of these encounters, these emotions, this aspect of living and elevate them and put them In a basket. A basket is a vessel. A vessel to contain. To hold on to. Because this is God's intention. Not a mistake. That this lofty soul was put into. What seems to be an extremely, extremely. Physical. Materialistically orientated body. And what do we do when we've put these. First fruits or the best of Adamah of earthly living into a vessel we give it to the Kohen we take it to the Holy Temple and we give it to the Kohen and it's not burnt on the altar and we don't give all we give me Pri and not Cold Pri we just give some of it some of it remains with us most of it remains with us That we use it to have a joyous, comfortable life, as it were, in a physical sense. So that we can stretch ourselves in a spiritual sense without being concerned that, God forbid, somebody's sick or the roof is leaking or the rent has to be paid. God will give us of the best so that we can continue to serve him in the way that he desires in this physical world. So what happens? The land is conquered, the land is divided, and people settle down to till the soil. And when things become ripe, that's the word bikurim, levaker, with a cough, what do you do? You take a simon, a ribbon, something. You go out into your field and you see that something of the seven fruits of the land of Israel, chita, se'oira, wheat, barley, geffen, te'ena, grapes, figs, rimoin, pomegranates, olives, dates, and the best, the most beautiful, you designate that that's what you're going to give to the Kohen. And you indicate, and as it ripens, eventually you take it out, you put it in the basket, and with great joy you bring it with the offering of Bikurim, with the animal life of Bikurim, because you're going to offer an animal as well. So the question is, why tell us all of this at the beginning? It's going to take a long time till we're able to do this. Should he not have said... And started off by saying, when you will come into the land and when everything will happen, then you shall take all of this. It seems as if, Kisavoi, as you come, you're meant to do this. And of course, the fact that we read this in the month of Elul means a tremendous amount. What are we doing now? We're in the last 12 days of the month of Elul. And there's a holy teaching, a Hasidic teaching, that each day of these 12 correspond to one of the 12 months of the year. And starting with the 18th, the 18th day of Elul, which is a day of great light when Hasidus first came into the world with the birth of the Bal Shemtov and later of the first Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe. From that day, we begin to do Return. We don't want to use the word repent. Because repent means that we have to change. Return means we have to come back to who we really are. And Chai El, which was Wednesday, corresponded to Tishrei of last month, of last year. The month in which Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchas Falls, And on Wednesday, we tried to reflect on last year's Tishrei. And then yesterday, we tried to reflect on last year's Cheshvan. Today, we're trying to connect with and connect to the energy of the month of Kislev, which is the month of Hanukkah. And even if we can't remember, the things we did last year in Kislev that might need rectification now... What we can do is to think about the energy of that month and to think about how we're going to better it in the new year. We're going to resolve. So if today is like the month of Kislev, the month of Hanukkah, it's called Chodesh Ha'urim, the month of light. What is light? Light is enlightenment, spiritual. You know, it was... This week, many of us experienced light outages, and I was teaching the children yesterday, and we were in the dark, and when the lights came on, it was amazing. Suddenly, everything had more color and vibrance. It was like, that's how it's going to be when Mashiach comes. And one of the children said, you know, I already got used to it being dark. And that, unfortunately, is what happens to us. We kind of accept that this is the best it's going to get, and we just better get on with it. And that's not the intention. The intention is to have more light, but the message is that when we bring light, it's up to us. It's Anila Dodi. This is a time of us initiating the light, not waiting for the electricity department to switch it back on. And that's an incredibly empowering thought, that with spiritual light, we are the ones God is waiting for to bring more light. Our neshama is an neshama of light, and we can enlighten with the study of Torah, with prayer, with reflection and refinement of our character traits, and above all, with good deeds bringing light to others. As we often say, the more you give happiness, the more you feel happiness. Happiness is the only thing that the more you give it away, the more you have it. The more you give it away, the greater your wealth of joy, fulfillment, upliftment will grow. And so we're in the month of Elul, and it is a time of two things. It's a time of Cheshbon Hanefesh. We've got to be introspecting and thinking, how can I improve? But it's also a time of Hachana, preparation for the new year. Now, how's the new year called? It's not called beginning of the year or the new year. It's not called shana chadasha or Trilat Hashana. It's called Rosh Hashana. Now, this concept of Rosh, which is ahead, Let's look at why did our sages use this word Rosh Hashanah. The head, the brain, the eyes, the ears, etc. The head leads the entire body. So too does Rosh Hashanah have to lead every single day of the year. It has to put light, direction, focus and energy into all the days of the year. And what is the true light? According to the will of Hashem, who is infinite, who sees from one end of the world to the other, and even that it's wrong for us to limit him. He's within the world, he's beyond the world. So on this day of Rosh Hashanah, what happened? That's the day that man was created. But that's the sixth day of creation. And yet it's known as Ze we say in the prayers, this is the day of the beginning of your works. It's also zikaron, the Yom Rishon. It's a memorial. It reminds us of the first day. So what was created in the first five days? Well, inanimate plant life, animal life. And then on the sixth day, Adam, man was created. And man, and all of us, as man, son of man, has to know, why have I been created? I've been created to serve my maker. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. I want to share with you that there's something Available this coming Sunday for the evolving Jewish woman. Tamer Tabak has put together a wonderful program and she has organized it for this Sunday and there's still a few spaces left. And her offer is that an evolving Jewish woman can prepare for Rosh Hashanah beyond what they think possible the first time in Johannesburg and she'll be hosting a two-day retreat. It's actually two half days it's in Hyde Park it will include lunch. it will be on Sunday and Tuesday the public holiday, the 22nd and the 24th of September and for sure your Rosh Hashanah will never be the same and neither will you. It's based on classical and mystical Torah teachings on becoming the best Jewish woman. In these extraordinary times in which we live. And so, if you're interested, dial Tamer at 082-603-0964 or email info at thenexus.org. That's 082-603-0964 or info at thenexus.nexus.org. I'm Ashi Lipsker, and we're speaking about this extraordinary month of reflection and preparation. And we're speaking about that man was created not on the first day, but on the sixth day of creation, and that before he was created, in the first five days of creation. Inanimate plant life, animal life were all created. When Adam opened his eyes he had a recognition of godliness and he gathered all of creation together with the words Come, let us come join together. Let us bow down before God, our Maker. <clears throat> we have to understand the message is for us as well. He called all of creation, the rocks and the minerals and the water, the trees and the flowers, the grass, the vegetation, birds and fish and animals, man who is considered the choice of creation, he actually gathered them together. And it is man who actually continues to do this. The goal of creation rests on man's shoulders. What is it? Well, basically, in the first five days, it was just a preparation for the creation of man who would gather it all together and elevate it to godliness. The first five days, everything was created so that on the sixth day, Adam would find everything ready. And the goal was to create man. But already on the first day, the goal was known. And that was the sixth day. The sixth day, everything was getting ready. It was a hachonah for the Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. Indeed, not only for the sixth day of creation, but for the sixth day of Sivan, when the Torah would be given two and a half thousand years later. Because man is the goal of creation and the Torah, and the giving of the Torah is the goal of man. Through the Torah, Man knows how to serve his creator. And each one of us has only been created for that goal. Yes, it's got many parts to it. And therefore the Parsha begins with, Kisavai, as you come into the land, although you can't do it yet, you have to know the goal. You have to know that there is inanimate And you have to know there's plant life and you have to know there's animal life and that we have the power to actually take everything that God gives us, anything we're meritorious to touch or that comes into our life, whether it be the inanimate, uh, beautiful ring, beautiful jewelry, plant life, Food, animal life, our animalistic, as it were, energy, and for the man within us to use it all, to elevate it all to godliness, to live a full life, but to live a focused life. And think of this. When I sleep in the morning, I'm like a doimame. I'm like inanimate. Okay, then I have to get up. I say the mudani, I get up with energy. I infuse energy into my inanimate state, as it were, and I begin to grow. And it's going to be a day of growth. And how do you grow? You grow by stretching yourself and by watering yourself with the waters of Tyra, the sunshine of good deeds I'm going to fill this day to the fullest. And I go out into the world, my portion of the world. And through being a human being, through my animal soul, I begin to elevate everything that comes my way. And yes, everything about me is driven by my head. I want to prepare now that those 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah should actually be a time when I know what I'm going to do. And as a launch for the year, I want to get my ducks in a row. I'm going to tell you what happened yesterday. Yesterday, you might know her. There's a lady outside of Moishis called Ayanda who sells flowers. And Ayanda was affected with the virus of Bell's Palsy. And you might have seen her. This happened at the end of June. And she's much better now. Now, recently, a friend of mine was affected by Bell's Palsy. And I asked Ayanda to send her a message. We sent her a lovely video, two videos, showing how beautiful Ayanda now looks. And what was Ayanda's message to my friend? She said, "Just be patient," and I thought to myself, "What a thing to hear in Elul." We live in a world of instant gratification. We live in a world of tremendous, tremendous volcanic reaction to the things that happen to us, and it closes off our minds to be able to see the possibilities. Just be patient. It's been a long exile. But Yiddishkeit is a religion of planting. You come into the land, you invest in Eretz. Every person is called Eretz Chaifetz, a land that possesses treasures, richness. You can't hope to grow something overnight. When Mashiach will come soon, soon, we will see the effect of all of our tremendous efforts, big and small. And we need to actually understand that it's not up to us now to question. It's up to us now to think with our heads, to focus, to know the goal, and most of all, in this world of action, to do. So what does one suggest? Obviously, this little story is going to help us to figure it out. And it's an old story, and you know it very well. And the story is of that professor in time management, an expert in time management, is speaking to a group of business students. And he wants to drive home a point, and he uses an illustration that the students will never forget. He's standing in front of the group. They are high-powered overachievers, you know, he says, OK, time for a quiz. And with that, from under the table, he pulls out a large, in America, it's one gallon, wide-mouthed mason jar, what we call a console jar in this country. He puts it on the table in front of him. And then he takes out next a dozen fist-sized rocks carefully puts them inside one at a time into the jar. And when the jar is filled to the top and no more rocks could fit inside, he asked everyone, is this jar full? And everyone said, yes. Then he said, really? Reaches under the table and pulls out a bucket of pebbles, gravel. He dumps the gravel in shakes the jar, the pieces work themselves down into the space between the big rocks and again he asks them, is the jar full? Uh, but this time the class is on to him. Uh, Probably not, one of them says, and he says good. Reaches under the table and brings out a bucket of sand, starts dumping the sand into the jar and of course it went into all the spaces left behind left between the gravel and this and the rocks and now he asks again is the jar full well of course they all shouted no once again he said good he grabbed a jug of water and began to pour it in until the jar was filled to the brim and then he looks at the class and he says what is the point of this illustration so one eager beaver student said, well, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, if you really try hard, you can always fit in more things. No, he said. That's not the point at all. The truth that this illustration teaches us is if you don't put in the big rocks first, you'll never get them in at all. The question is, what are the big rocks in our lives? Our children? Our loved ones, our education, our dreams, a worthy cause, teaching, mentoring others, doing things that you love, time for yourself, your health. Let's remember to put these big rocks in first, or we'll never get them in at all. If we sweat the small stuff, the gravel, the sand, we'll fill our lives with little things that we worry about that don't really matter. And we'll never really get the quality time that we need to spend on the big rocks, the big stuff. And so, in preparation for Elul, when we're reflecting on this little story, let's ask ourselves, what are the big rocks in my life? And make sure to put them into the jar first. Wishing you a guten Shabbos. Wishing you a good and may we merit to do a d'idi to do our part, and Hashem will certainly respond with d'idi li, His infinite blessings for a good and sweet year, and even before that for success in our work now in Elul. A good Shabbos.